We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 370. We have an exciting episode for you today, unlike those games in Tampa where the Yankees did not seem to want to be playing them, and the Rays actually had something to play for. I think that's what we've been watching the last two days. We're recording right now. It is, uh, last time I checked, 3-0 Tampa in the seventh inning. Charlie Morton was shoving the bats down the Yankees' throats. Hello, Scott. After a He-Man Troy walk-off home run the night before, because you know it's happening when when uh, Corey Gearin walks in the door. Uh, I've seen so many people now on Twitter taking their stab at this postseason roster, and I swear to God, I've seen a few that had Corey Gearin on this postseason roster. And I'm like, what are, you, what are we looking at here? That's asinine. How is that kid possibly in any scenario on this postseason roster? Right. And if he is... There's, there's hell to pay. There's, there is hell to pay. Well, if he Something's is, wrong. if he is, something has gone terribly wrong in the last three games in Texas, where maybe the entire team caught uh, the swine flu or something. Yeah, I mean it's, uh, it's crazy. But as soon as you walk in, you know you have the, the nice thing about that is, you know, he, you have an isolated problem with a guy that doesn't matter. So whatever. Do you um, right? And that's how I feel like. So you entered this series, home field advantage was still on the table. 
I think yeah. it's off the table at this point, even though mathematically they could still win it. But Houston is up basically three and a half games with three to play. <laughs> uh, I'm not a mathematician, but that's, uh, that doesn't really work out. So, But before the Tuesday game in Tampa, had the Yankees won, they could have kept pace, and then who knows what happens. Maybe the Astros stumble over the weekend, and you can back your way into home field advantage. But I think with the loss on Tuesday night, and they kind of treated that game like they had a, had a priority. And home field, winning the game is not priority. Getting guys set up was the priority. And that's fine. If that's they, the way you want to play. Because they had, they, had, they had a lot of guys pitching. I mean, they still they had a lot of people pitchers. pitchers. But they had some... I know they had their they had names all, Pretty pitching. much everybody, all the top guys pitching. I know, but they were still trying... They're experimenting with things. CeCe's coming out of the bullpen in the second yeah. inning. Um, Montgomery was starting for the first time since he injured his arm last May. Second appearance, but but first actual start. So I don't know. I I think and it's fine. This is I think the Yankees have a plan, and they've had a plan for a long time this season. That's why guys have not pitched on three consecutive days in the bullpen. That's why they give guys extra days off when maybe you don't think they need that extra day off. They get the day off to try and avoid injury. <laughs> That's worked out so well. Uh, but they have a plan, and they're going to stick to it. They have a plan-ish. We're going to uh, find out if it's the right there. plan. We're going to find out if home I, field. I mean, I don't necessarily matters. know what. I don't necessarily know what that plan. It's not. It's not to say that they, if they did, if they had deviated from what they're currently doing, that they were going to win home field advantage. So no, that's, but that's you know what thing. I mean. When it, they they've approached certain games where you scratch your head with a bullpen decision or or a lineup decision, and you say, is winning this game really the number one priority here? I think back to that Detroit game, um, that mess of a Detroit game a couple weeks back. The whole back. series was a mess. But do you remember the game where they had – it was like nobody was pitching. No one good pitched until the game was like in the seventh inning and there was 12 runs on the board already. It was just weird. Right. Yeah. It's – um. I don't know. It's just you're, you're chasing a team like Houston and – Obviously, you're not in control of of what's happening because if they win, you know, uh, as well, then then you have you can't do anything about it. So, what can you control? At least, what do you think you can control? You can control the amount of reps that you get your guys. You can you can try to control the circumstances that they are in. You can control you know who plays on what day and and who doesn't play. So, I think when you're talking about control and the things that you can actually look at to get a team prepared for the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully home field advantage happens based on talent and the, the fact that you have better players and, you know, the other team loses too. But when you're looking at the pitching staff that those guys are rolling up against and then their opponents, this, the uh, the chances were pretty slim in the first place. So, the, you know, the, the whole narrative of like them not going after it, even in that Detroit series, was annoying to me because I didn't really buy it. And because I think there's other things. You can't just do one or the other. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work that way. No, uh, obviously, you try and win every game you go out and play, even a spring training game. But, you're but trying because to win. you're doing one doesn't mean you're not doing the other either. That's no, the, but the, there, the there can be an emphasis on one I, over I guess. the other. Yes, <laughs> there definitely is. The Yankees, and I think this is also a mentality thing. I, they don't want to be there at the trap for these two games. It's evident. Yeah. Probably. No, no, it's true. There's not probably about it. And they're going to not want to be in Texas either. They want to be back home knowing who they're going to play for the ALDS. It's all like us. It's, 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 the players are us right now. <laughs> we let's are just, let's be players. very real about that. Yeah, the players are all of us. We just want the playoffs to start. 
We want to know what time the game is on Friday, <laughs> what time the game is on Saturday. Tell us what's happening so that we can make plans. Just like the Yankees and Boone want to plan and prepare for things. Just let's get this over with and let us know what's happening. Yes, yes. Okay. Play, playoff. It's, it's, we get it. We're not getting home field. If, we, if, we, if all things work out up until the ALCS and we play Houston, we'll be on the road. Fine. Let's go. <laughs> well, if they lose that series, get ready for a hellstorm. What, the Houston series? If they're talking about the ALDS. The ALCS. If they're yeah. playing the ALCS and they're on the road in Houston and they do not win that series and it comes down to home field advantage as a major determining factor, people are going to be pissed. Well, they're going to be un- the, then, you know, what they're doing is they're just being mad because the team lost. And they're they're fighting a battle an argument that has no winner or loser. It's just an arbitrary point because there's you telling me that they weren't going after home field advantage doesn't mean that they weren't going after home field advantage. I was talking, I was just fighting with people on Twitter. I don't want to call it fighting. I was having a heated argument and someone was like, well, they can win one of them in Houston and then boom, that's it. That's all they need to do is just win one. I'm like, well, that's also assuming that they do not lose a single game at home. To Houston, a good team. So if you're capable of beating Houston on the road, Houston's just as capable of beating you on the road. They got to get past those uh, those three pitchers, no matter where they're pitching, and both all three of those guys are pretty damn good. Yeah. So and if, it's uh, it's more of a matter of the, these guys have phenomenal talent at the in their rotation, and if the Yankees bats act anything like they are in Tampa right now, when you know some decent pitching comes around. X, then that's X gonna Astro, be, that, Charlie Morton, no hitting. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. and if yeah. you're interested in uh, the Yankees-Astros potential series, well, I've got some good news for you. Robert Flores, Mr. Roflo from MLB Network, is on the back half of this episode. He was, be- he was on our show in May, and it was funny because I was talking to him today. I was like, you know, when we talked in May, we said Yankees and Astros are on a collision course in the American League Championship Series, and here we are four months later, and nothing has changed. So we talked a lot about the playoffs, um, takeaways from the 2019 season. I asked him a couple fun hypothetical questions that I just thought of randomly, um, and he played along, so that was fun. So check out that. Uh, and if that's not good enough news for, for listeners, we have a very special guest coming on from Monday show. It's already been recorded, so it's locked and loaded and ready to go. Why don't you tell people who you spoke to this afternoon? I did. I spoke with, uh, and, and that was very important to have it locked and loaded and yes. recorded and saved. We got and burned sure, by that before. Yeah, make sure that it was uh, that it was a done deal. Uh, Mr. John Sterling himself, Mr. John Sterling himself was uh, was on today. Uh, so I had a good 35, 37 minute conversation with him. Really, it was just uh, me trying to spark some com- some stories out of him and, and letting him go because that's what the man does. The man talks uh, in. in uh, you know, perfect tone and and says great things usually when it comes out, especially when he gets into story mode, man. When he gets into story mode, John Sterling, there really isn't, there really isn't. No a, if you're a Yankees him. fan, if well, if you're a Yankees fan, and uh, there there really isn't a better guy to to listen tell a story. Yeah, because the way he well, tells it, think, it's just it's extremely captivating. So you know how like Vin Scully sort of transcended just Dodgers fans and all baseball fans love um, Vin Scully. I don't know if yeah. John Sterling has reached that point because he, he's the Yankees. Because Vin Scully did national games. John Sterling doesn't do national games. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think baseball fans 
like oh like baseball fan, longtime baseball fans but also enjoyed some of John Sterling's stories because he's he's not just called the Yankees games he's called he's been he's I mean, been he's, a broadcaster he's forever uh, he's done every uh, pr- practically every sport you can think of and that was one of the I was trying to get into some some areas of uh, of, of conversation that you know hadn't been touched as much obviously he's done a bunch of interviews and yeah. we've all heard him talk a lot on the broadcast because he he you know spills the beans <laughs> during the it's during the broadcast a three as well. and a half hour podcast every night. Yeah, and um, he does have a new podcast out, so we're, we we talked about that where he's uh, telling all sorts of stories, not just Yankees, but other baseball stories as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to listening to uh, story time with Sterling um, time on with the Sterling. Uh, pinstripes and bright lights. And uh, they should have uh, called just, it story time with Sterling. I know, or stories with Mi- Sterling. Missed opportunity there, but yeah. yeah, we talked a lot about like how he started up and uh, just kind of like some stuff in his past that I thought was interesting. Um, so yeah, it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Oof. It was. Uh, one of those one of those things that's that that's very cool for me personally as well. I mean, he's he's been the guy. I mean, I grew up not having cable television. I had WPIX and Scooter and Tom Seaver and uh, the, the other guys that were in that WPIX booth uh, in and out. And then it was Sterling and K on WABC seven seventy. So that was my Yankees. I was um, I probably have more in common with people that are older than me because I didn't because I didn't have cable. So the games were on MSG. Uh, couldn't watch those and watch them only when they're WPIX. So a lot of the games I listen to on the radio. I've never been jealous of you getting to talk to a guest. And I'm assuming you've never been jealous of me getting to talk to a guest. Because like, we've been switching off a lot. And a lot of times it's like, oh, yeah. that's a cool guest. But like, awesome. I'm very jealous that you got to talk to John <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> This is I the mean, first one. I'm like, God damn, I wish it wasn't in the middle of the afternoon. And I didn't have to be at work right now. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to putting it out there, and um, it was good. It was good of uh, of, of John. I, I tried to call him Mr. Sterling and and keep that, but he uh, he quickly nipped that in the butt, in the bud, and said uh, said no 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 no. It's John. Call me John. We're on level playing fields for for at least the next <laughs> half hour. Um, so uh, also quick update on just the podcast schedule over the next uh, hopefully month. So we're going to do Monday's episode. John Sterling will be on that. We'll also do um, season wrap-up sort of things, awards. Got some stuff for that planned. And then there'll be no games, no Yankees games anyway for for a week. But we'll do an episode on Thursday, uh, next Thursday, before the ALDS starts, previewing whoever the Yankees are playing. It's probably going to be the Twins at this point. But we will. uh, that'll be sort of a look-ahead preview uh, episode for that. And then then the grind starts, the the no-sleep Late nights uh, start, and every game the Yankees play in the playoffs, there will be an episode from us out after the game. Uh, it's going to be raw. Uh, they're going to be about a half hour each. You never know what you're going to get because sometimes we're watching <laughs> the games at home. Sometimes we're watching the games in person. Those are usually quite different in tone. We're also doing something different this year where we have these wireless mics. And, um, I mean, I mean, literally going to be recording from a park bench in the Bronx somewhere where we can get you know some decent receptions so that we can uh, so we can get this thing going but yeah no it's uh it's going to be fun it's going to be uh this is this is what it's all about baby we've committed to doing uh, a show per ep- per per game every time we've done this and pretty much hit on that i mean last year wasn't difficult there weren't many games 2017 i think we missed one one day um I think I was. Yeah, we heard we heard shit from that too. I had a flight, we heard shit from that from uh, one of the events. I think it was this year actually. Someone came up to me at the dugout and was like, uh, 
and was giving us shit for, for, for not doing it that night because they were waiting for it the, the, the day or, you know, like that night or the, the early in the morning. So um, but that, we'll be doing them every night. It, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's fun because honestly, like these are so emotional. If you're, if you're like us and listen to this show, you're probably like us in the sense that you're a lunatic. You're a lunatic with this team. You live and die with, with what's happening on the field. And it just ramps up when it gets to the playoffs because that's it. There's no other, there's no bullshit speculation about what's happening for the rest of the season. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? It's just all about the results and all about what happens in that given game. You lose your mind over one game, one decision, um, one outing. Yeah, that's usually the difference in something. There's always one thing in a loss that you harp on. Like, I remember that um, Joe Girardi decision in 2017. Like, we spent an hour and a half doing a podcast just on the challenge or no challenge. No challenge. And that's what happens when you lose a game in the playoffs. Everything's magnified. Like, all the nerd stats go out the window. So, this is your time to shine, Scott. I know. I love it. This is all I test. Because what are you going to do? Talk about weighted on base average for a five-game series? Like, who gives a shit? I'll be able to smack you in person if you say that. So the uh, this is this is going to be this is going to be good. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm especially excited for uh, the update. We have we have an update for the playoff tickets as well. So we're going to be getting uh, another email out very soon. All the t-shirts are on their way. They're being shipped out. Um, what day is today? Thursday. We're releasing this. Uh, t- it's going to they're ship- being shipped out on Thursday, Friday. So you guys will start getting them over the weekend, um, if not Friday, depending on when they get out. Uh, so that is all in the works and happening. And Colleen and I are in the back just making sure we're putting together seats, making, you know, um, getting getting everybody because we had a bunch of seat requests for, for people who if you ordered twice uh, or two separate orders and you want your seats together. So we're going through all that stuff, going through the emails and such and making sure that we have everything uh, lined up for um, for seating and making sure we can accommodate as many people as possible. We usually are pretty good with that. So. Um, yeah, that's the, the game plan. So if you are wondering about, about that, what's happening, tickets will be emailed. They will be transferred to you middle of next week. So don't, don't expect them, um, you know, this week or beginning of next week, it will be middle Wednesday or Thursday. Well, the, the tickets will be transferred electronically. The QR codes don't show up until 48 hours before the game anyway. So you can't do anything with the ticket no matter what. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the time frame, and uh, we'll be in touch with you via email when uh, when we have something to say. But it's going to be a whiteout. It, these are shirts. These are white shirts. This is going to be a whiteout. If you if you don't if you have something else that you want to wear along with the shirt, if it's a jersey, fine. Just white. Everybody wears white so that we can get that entire section of two hundred five and two hundred six in white, baby. And if it's going to be a little chilly that day, wear long sleeves and then put the white shirt over it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it looks like it's not going to be, but, no, but depending on when the game is, you, you know, know, if it's an even, if it's a night game, it'll be obviously cooler. But um, so far, looking at the the weather, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. So as it stands now, the even though I'm ready for hoodie weather, big time. The Rays, Indians, and Oakland are all separated by a half game in the wild card, and the Rays. I mean, the, the Rays are playing for their playoff lives. I think I think that's what we're seeing with this series right now. Is that Yankees are all but set in the playoffs and the Rays are, are trying to uh, play play for the playoffs. So that they, there's a difference in in um, in attitude for, by the two teams and it's understandably so. But have you seen the um, potential tiebreaker scenario if all three teams finish with the same record? It is wild. Uh, 
So there's going to be a lot more baseball played, right? A lot more baseball played. So obviously, if just the two teams finish, then they play a head-to-head to see who plays the third team on the wild card day, uh, game. But if all three finish with the same record, they get assigned A, B, and C based on head-to-head records. And then on Monday, September 30th, Club A hosts Club B, and the winner advances to the wild card game. And then on Tuesday, Club C hosts the loser of Club A versus B to see who goes to play the wild card game. So the, Ameri- the loser, oh, the, wow. the American League would be playing. You could potentially, if you advance, you could advance the whole way. You could lose on Monday, win on Tuesday, win on Wednesday, and then go play the American League Division Series. You could you could potentially be in games all week. I'm here for it. I'm here for the chaos. Give me the madness. Even though it benefits the Astros in that I was going to say, the problem with that is that the, the Astros might have a cakewalk. Because they're uh, going to so have if, a fried team. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, if, if the Yankees... If the Yankees do have this this two seed, which looks like that's happening, um, I don't want that scenario to happen. I want I want them to From go. From an entertainment perspective, you don't want that though. I kind of want. No, that. No, Just... no, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I, I want I want Houston to get a have a tough series because, look, if, if if things work out the way that we want them to work out, and the Yankees play the Minnesota Twins, and the Minnesota Twins uh, are who we thought we, they were, and we beat them, <laughs> we want the opponent, the next opponent. To not have a, a, a cakewalk through, not not have like the the Houston Astros. Is if it there is them, anything to be said for momentum and a team no. playing on adrenaline? Um, that only goes so far. When you have a team that you're running into, like Houston, who has an insane <laughs> amount of talent, yeah. uh, insane amount of top tier pitching, that could kill momentum very fast. Yeah, and you're gonna run out of bodies and you're gonna run out of, of steam at some point. And I think that's the bigger problem when you're looking at uh, you know a 25 man roster. After paring down from all these September call-ups, that's the other thing about September call-ups, man. Is that you're looking at the teams that are, are advancing. Now you're you're cutting your roster down and and going back to the way it was all season long when guys are just they're not being used as much late in the season. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, I'm glad it's going away. Yeah, obviously it would benefit the Astros if that scenario happened. That scenario is a little unlikely at this point, unless they all finish with the same record. But it's another reason why getting home field advantage in the number one seed is beneficial because you're playing a, a wild card team, which in theory has burned its best pitcher already. So for the Yankees, who are their pitchings looked a hell of a lot better over the last month, and now with the emergence of Severino's return, that's even better. But for the Yankees, they need every pitching advantage they could get, and that would be a pitching advantage if the team you're facing is not going to be able to throw their best pitcher until potentially game three. Where the Yankees facing... Minnesota, we'll talk about this more next week if it is the Twins we're playing, but they have not seen Berrios this year. They faced the Twins twice in two separate series, and Berrios has not pitched in either. And he's their best pitcher. He's had ups and downs in his second half, but he had a really good first half. But that's a, I think that's a big factor. They haven't seen him yet. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's definitely a factor. It's, it's something that because the Yankees haven't seen him, they, uh, they, they can't game plan the same. I think, uh, and, and I mean, they can game plan, but they're not going to have, you know, the same eyes on a guy uh, like you like you do if you see him live. It's just it's it's a different feeling, and I think it may take a little bit for them to get through it. So yeah, I do think there's an advantage there for for Minnesota with with having him um, as one of the guys that the Yankees haven't seen. But um, again, I you know I just I don't know where the line is of of saying like I understand that it's a, a massive advantage. It is. It's a huge advantage. But if the, if the Astros keep winning and they keep doing their thing, it's very tough to 
to over overcome that hurdle, especially when they own the tiebreaker. It's a very, it's a, it's it's too it's it's a challenge that the so way that they're playing currently. You just don't want to concern yourself with it. You're done. I don't want to concern myself because I just don't think it's like a I don't think it's a yes or no question. I don't think it's a okay, we're doing this now, let's do this. No, no, I'm not saying that. But that's but that's kind of the argument. No, it's just it, it's just it, the it importance it of is. it. It's the I mean, everybody understands the importance of it. If you don't understand the importance of driving it, home, you're an, I'm you're fur- an idiot. I'm further driving home the point that it was important. <laughs> well, yeah, well, thank you. We get it. It's important. Being at home, uh, being at home is, is important. Better than being on the road, especially right. for the Astros and the Yankees, who are both very good home teams. All right, I want to tell you guys about Indochino. So John Sterling's always looking good for his broadcast. Maybe he's That's using true. Indochino. Maybe that is the secret. But Indochino is founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Um, you can go in, make an appointment at any of their store locations and get a real custom tailored suit um, or tuxedo. You get that sort of high quality experience that you get if you're going to some more expensive uh, place because they're going to measure you. They're going to make it fit. You can customize it. They have suits, shirts, coats, and much more. Um Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Um, as I said, you can customize it. You're, you can customize your lapel, your lining. You can put your own monogram. I have a couple of their shirts. I know they hooked us up with a few of their shirts. And the thing I like about their dress shirts, I don't know if you get this when you wear a suit or anything, that sort of bunch on the side, you know what I'm talking about, where the shirt tucks into the shirt. Their shirts are, are, are better fitting to your body, so you don't get that bunch. It looks good even when you have your jacket off. The best part is their suits are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400, and the process is simple. You just choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. And if you don't know your measurements, you can go in and get measured, like I said, at a, at a, at a store from a real human. It's not all digital. Custom, baby. All custom. Start your style upgrade now for with uh, 30 bucks. Offer your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Bronx at checkout. Plus, you get free shipping. That's Indochino.com, promo code Bronx for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal made for made-to-measure clothing. You really don't have any excuse anymore to wear clothes that do not fit. So we saw a couple of things this week in Tampa, two takeaways that I actually think are worth talking about, and that's that Sabathia and Jay Happ both pitched out of the bullpen. These were tests that the Yankees wanted to see if they, I think, just get experience. We sort of talked about that, right? Like, how much are you really going to learn from one outing? But just get yeah. some experience. And Sabathia pitched a clean inning, um, or not a clean inning. He gave up one run. One hit, no, no. runs. Um, yeah, I was going to say, he struck out a bunch of dudes. One inning, one hit. No runs for Sabathia, and Hap pitched five innings in relief today after Loisica had a bad first inning. Four hits, one run. So I think both of those are positive takeaways. Oh, they oh they most certainly are. I think that I think that um, if they if you're looking for if you're looking for the positive and you're looking for the if they can do it, you know if, if that's if that's what you're doing this for them going through different routines, making sure that they can go out there and. Um, you know, have some semblance of of a normalcy when they go out in in relief. Then, then yeah, I think mission accomplished. CC even talked about it when he was on the mound. Once he got out there, it was just like normal. You're throwing the ball. I mean, 
if you don't let that get in your way, theoretically, it should be relatively normal. As long as you can prepare your body, get your body ready, and um, you're you're good to go, and and you're you're feeling like you should start, you know, like like any other, uh, whether you're starting or coming in at a relief, it doesn't matter. When you throw that first pitch, if you can get your body to feel that similar way, then I think um, once you step on that that rubber and start throwing the ball, nothing should change. Yeah, and I think that's why it was important to test both of these guys this way because then, like I said, in the playoffs, they're not doing it for the first time. So Sabathia can just worry about going out there and pitching and not worrying about how his body's going to react. Uh, by coming out of the bullpen and he's even said I don't take much time to get ready anyway I don't go that long I don't take much time to get ready at this point in my career so I think Sabathia is not really an issue Hap he ended up going five innings actually if he just started the game and pitched five innings four four hits one run we'd say oh thank you Jay Hap that's a good start for you I mean when you look at Jay Hap and when you look at CC Sabathia and their careers they're both in a very similar spot I mean they've been around for a while they kind of have um, you know that wisdom, that 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 old man gene in there, that they know how to. They've been around the block. They, they've they've done things. So I think that making some kind of an adjustment like this, I, I've always been waiting for that adjustment from Jay Happ. I mean, it took him a long time to make an adjustment, but he's eventually made it, and he's he's definitely looking more like the guy that I think we all expected this year in 2019. You know, as of as of late, over the past month, he's really looked like the. The guy that better. we expected, to not as good as he was for the Yankees last year, but better than he certainly was. Pretty damn close, not 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 far off. I mean, his pitches look a lot better. He, everything, he, the confidence is there. The the fastball seems like it's getting um, more swings and misses. So I, I'm a lot more comfortable with Jay Happ today than I than I was a month and a half ago. Um, and I think, but yeah, you know, it's I, I think that the preparation, just going through the motions and getting it done, just so that they can kind of see it. It's really just like a walkthrough, right? Like you get a guy in football, uh, you bring bring him in. Um, same system, new team. He just needs a walkthrough just to get comfortable again, and then it's like riding a bike. I think what we could see is for game four, if things go well, you could get green opening and Hap coming in relief for a few innings. And maybe they don't let, they don't let him go five, but if they go three or four with him after green goes one or two, I think that's realistic. I know you're shaking your head because you're like, so much can change between games one and four. I know no, that. No, no, that's not why I'm shaking my head. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, when I'm watching Chad Green pitch over the past, I don't even know how long, weeks, mo- a month, the guy looks like just an absolute dominant force right now. He looks like he's, he looks like he's, uh, you know, back to that, to that, that guy that we saw when he was with Girardi doing the two inning uh, stints. And getting a tons of swings and misses, getting the ball down, f- fooling guys. He just looks really, really good. I don't want to use that guy in the first inning. I just don't. I, I-, I think that he's he's now Why? because I think Jay Happ is pitching to a point where he could be effective in those early innings still. I don't think you need that opener uh, when you look at what the rotation is currently doing. I just don't. I think now you can you can get some of that length from from a guy like Jay Happ that we have. Uh, and plus the other three that we know that that will start the games. And now you also have a significant weapon who is pitching probably the best he has all year in Chad Green later in high leverage situations. Chad Green in late inning situations in games one and two. But I'm saying I I don't think it's necessary to use him as an opener. I don't think it's necessary to to go through that just just to do it so that he could go to the top of the rotation and then you know maybe he has a. A little blip, and then he's he's burned for the day. I just well, they like it. It's it's something that I know they like. They clearly they like. like. It. They've deemed this is more. But of he's a, also been throwing. He's also been throwing later in the games more recently too. So 
Um, we've seen different looks out of him. He hasn't been opening the games as as, as no, frequently as he had been. But they know he can do it. He did it a bunch this year, and they were successful as a team in those games. I'm not saying that is all because of Chad Green, because you're right, he only pitched one or two innings. So to say the Yankees won because he pitched the first two innings is asinine. Well, no, because Nestor Cortez really played into a lot of those victories as well. No, the offense so, won those games. Didn't don't you remember I, those right. stats? I, I sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yankees oh, no, outscored opponents Cortez. like nine to five in those opener games. Right. So Jay Happ could have started those games, and it would have been the same result. That's the point. When Nestor Cortez is involved in those decisions, and you're but Nestor at the Cortez team going isn't going to be pitching. In I know, game but four. the point. But the point is, is when you're looking at those, if people rely on team stats based on an opener, it's asinine well someone said i say better someone said i said it's it's stupid too much and i'm going to my old man get off my lawn uh phrasing too much so i just held that one back okay that was with straight you got you got dumb to go through you got ridiculous yeah there's a bunch of these these numbers but when i'm looking at that when i'm looking at a team stat and i'm trying to get something positive from an opener it doesn't make sense to me because there's so much other it's better so many than other if they were oh and nine that they're nine and oh versus oh and nine it still doesn't tell us it doesn't tell the story no but the it Yankees like the opener. They like it. They're going to use it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll use it. I think they're going to use it. Maybe they'll use it. It's possible. <laughs> it's definitely on the table. It's definitely a possibility. Okay. <laughs> Way to go out on a limb there, Scott. Gio Urshela was hit in the hand on a pitch in this uh, Tuesday game. And there was a noticeable bruise. Like, yes, was zooming in on his hand. And you could see the bruise immediately after he was hit by the pitch. And what I don't understand is why the Yankees, they did this with Glaber Torres the other night, too. They left him in the game for a couple innings, and then they pulled him. It was the most predictable thing of all time. Going to leave him in the game, and then boom, all of a sudden, we see Gio Urshela is out of the game. What are you doing? What are you doing? Just take him out, dunk his hand in a bucket of ice, and try and get through this thing. Why are we still listening to players? Why are we still telling, uh, having them dictate what's happening? Is that what you think Did- happened? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Did you see the 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 interactions with him and Donahue and Boone? Like, yeah, oh yeah. All the trainer would have to do is look at the giant black and bruised lump on his hand and say, "Oh, guess what? You're coming out of the game right now." We all saw it immediately. Just because there's a bruise doesn't mean that there's any damage to the to to the area that's happening. Uh, The bruise is is blood rising, so you can see, you know, just a, you know, a contusion, and then nothing there. Contusion, contusion doesn't sound good. What he's doing is Donahue's going around to the little bones. The problem I have with this is the placement of this, okay? Is that there are so many little tiny bones in your hand that if one of those little tiny bones gets fractured or whatever, then you got bigger problems. And a lot of times you can't feel that or you don't feel it to the same extent you would the next day, right? You see this a hundred, you've seen, we've seen this all, all over again with the foot and the hand, the little bones get fractured and then all of a sudden someone's out for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, pull them. Pull him. Pull him, especially in a game that you're already treating like a spring training game. If he got hit in the hand in spring training, would they pull him? They weren't treating it like a spring training game. Kind of. You're only saying that because they didn't score runs. I'm saying it because they used 11 pitchers. I know they used Green and and um, Canely and Adovino. And Adovino. And, and, and Britain. And Britain. But they also okay. use Guerin and Sessa. And yeah. uh, when they ra- so you're asking, you're putting, you're lumping in Sessa with the bad pitchers. They Why used you everybody for one inning. That is not trying to win a game. I'm sorry. That's not trying to win a game. It's it, you want Adovino and Britain to pitch more than one. You want Canley to pitch more than one. 
I, I just don't understand what you're saying because what they the way that they started you're, that, the game because you're in a one to one game, okay, and you're burning through pitchers one at a time when you know you could go into extra innings and then you'd leave yourself in a position where Gearin has to come in in the twelfth inning. And just that's your last hope because you're not going to use Chapman even though he warmed up a couple times. You just got gear in. Whatever no, gear so you are going to use, Chapman. I got. See, here's where you're wrong. You're they would use Chapman if they took the lead. Exactly. So what you're doing is you're throwing these guys one inning to set yourself up for your offense to actually do something because normally they do do something. So how is that not trying to win the game? You're going and throwing your guys – the the um, in a circumstance in a position how they will probably be used in the playoffs how they've been used for the majority of the season and you're setting your your offense up putting up zeros with the pitching staff pitching staff putting up zero 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 for these guys to go out there and scratch a couple runs across how is that not trying to win the game that is exactly what that is so the fact that Corey Guerin was used in the twelfth inning <laughs> I mean okay score a run. If they score a run that's a moot point, everybody's like, oh, they're trying to win the game. They throw their best relievers. It's the exact opposite narrative if they scored two runs. So that's why this whole scoring run, or this whole um, not trying to get home field advantage, taking care no, of your guys, I'm not, treating it like it's a spring training game. But it's just, it makes no sense. These, they were trying to win the my game. Point the offense was, didn't work. My point was that game was not super critical to the Yankees. They should have taken G. Urshela out of the game immediately. That was the oh, point. Yeah. Well, that was, of yes, Gio Urshela, if we're talking about that but as an isolated I, I player. But I could understand it. I could get on board with letting the player dictate something and say, I want to stay in the game. If the Yankees needed that game for something, if they're fighting for their playoff lives, okay, and the, re, the situation's reversed, and the Yankees are in Tampa's you said position. That, you said they were treating it like a spring training game. That's, that's that, was an exaggeration, okay? well, yes, that was an was, exaggeration, okay? That was an exaggeration for a They were literally using their best players in the spots that they're normally used in. But I don't think... Winning the game on Tuesday was their number one priority. I'm not saying they weren't trying to win the game. It wasn't their number one priority. So if, if that's not your number one priority, get your player out of the game who just got drilled in the hand. If it's your number one priority, wait. It, either way, you get your player out because of the injury situation. Either way, well, whether it's your number one priority way because or your Again, if that's priority. a do-or-die game, you might leave them in. And I understand if it's a do-or-die game and you want your guy that's that just got hit. No, but sometimes isn't. you trust your player and you don't want to put in um, Tyler Wade instead of Gio Urshela. I get that. You're reaching horribly, badly reaching on this. On the fact that it's it's based on the fact that they were essentially you're saying punting the game, not acting it like no, it was you're, a, a you're number one. You're taking my words out of out of uh, uh, your. No, you're saying you're, you're stretching saying my words. Priority. I didn't say they're punting. What's the, the game? difference between a number one priority and a number two priority? Oh come on. No, I'm serious because there's really not much. It's very gray when you're talking about health. There's and importance. Winning, home you field place advantage. importance on things. What has priority? Tell me. If you're winning, then health doesn't have it. So how is that right? Well, I don't think that on Tuesday night <laughs> their priority was win the game at all costs. They used every one of their best pitchers oh my in God. the situations that they're going in. How is that not it? They've had next man up this entire season. If Gio Urshel is not playing third base, as we've seen how this season has gone on, somebody else has gotten the hit. So you're saying right? winning the game was their number one priority on Tuesday night? They, they acted like it. They just didn't get a run then across. Then why the hell did Cody uh, Guerin pitch in the 12th Because inning? it was the 12th inning. 
Well, if if winning's their number one priority, that doesn't put Be- yourself in a good position. You're, does, you're, does you're Garen, just wrong. Does Garen pitch? Wrong. Score if, a run. If it's the playoff, ga- if it's a playoff game, and for whatever yeah. reason Garen's on the playoff roster, does he pitch in the twelfth inning? No, they send it, it someone else on, out there. It, de- it depends on what's going. First of all, it's not a playoff game. That's very different. You're now you're like taking it to a, def- a different level. I'm exaggerating you just use, like you're exaggerating. When you use, I'm not exaggerating at all, actually, because when you use your best pitchers in high leverage situations for the exact reason and the exact situations that they've been used all year long, and probably how they will be used in the playoffs, just to set your offense up to score a run on the road. How is that not trying to win? Your offense has been your 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 main I, I, I really uh, positive all all year. Don't feel like arguing Score over this because we're we're saying similar things, just slightly different. We're not different. saying similar things. They also used Tarpley. They also used Lions, who didn't even get an out. They also Lions, used Lions was a joke. That guy, that guy needs to leave. So what I'm saying is, they you they they did not put themselves Boone. And whoever decided that we're going to use Montgomery for two innings, Heller for an inning, Sabathia for an inning, Tarpley for an inning, Lions to get no one out, Sessa for an inning, Kane for an inning, Britton for an inning, Adovino for an inning, Chad Green for two innings, and then finally go to Cody Gear. That is not putting yourself, your pitching staff, in the best position to win a game. It's just Let me ask not. You a question. How, many, how many pitchers did the Tampa Bay Rays use? I don't give a shit about the Tampa Bay it Rays. Was, they, they, used, they used probably, it was very close to the same amount. Six. They used a ton of pitchers. Seven. Seven. Seven pitchers. Oh. They're in must win. Nine. Must win. Nine pitchers. <laughs> Thank you. Count. I was waiting for you to keep counting because I knew it was a lot more but than that. that. And but they did. It's the same thing. Not the same they're thing. Try, but but they're playing for their lives and they're using nine pitchers. They must not be. They must not be prioritizing winning the game. Was their worst pitcher in the game at, at the last inning? I don't know who their worst pitcher is. I'm not keeping up with the Tampa Bay Rays' worst pitcher. Devil Rays worst pitcher. I don't know how we got on that topic. It's um, it's 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 this injuries. it's this mind, it's this thing about talking about the priorities of winning and not. It's just uh it's been it's been such a talked about um uh, it's been such a conversation I think for the past month from everybody. It's not just you and me. It's it's everybody we talk to in a, in a conversation seeing it. I just don't see how there's a clear line on somebody telling me that they're trying to win and they're not trying to win based on uh, what I just saw, because if the because if the offense scratches across three runs, which is not a lot of runs for the New York Yankees, it's that it doesn't it's a total moot point, and no one would mention it again. Why does it have to be black and white? Why can't it be? Yes, exactly. obviously you're trying to win the game, but it's not the most important thing. I, see, that's the thing. I don't think there's a most important and a not most important. I yes, think they're, they're they've been treating important. these games. They've been treating these games. We're testing things out. We're trying to see what we have for the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna set our guys up so we Which can is have also our, a priority. Yes, it's also a priority. I think it's yes. a bigger priority than winning these two games in Tampa. Okay. And they're going to do the same thing in Texas when they have Paxton, Severino, and Tanaka. Well, Texas pitch. is going to be a different story because it's going to be cemented. It's, it's going to be, be cemented. Done. But assuming it wasn't, I don't think they would extend Paxton to a hundred pitches on Friday night. They're probably going to have him throw seventy pitches. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just you're literally up against it now. And 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 when you know, it's. I mean, you can't tell me I don't know when we know. So it's, they're going to know at that point. So. It, the situation will be that exactly that they will know their where they are going when they are playing who's going to pitch so they're setting things up at that point nothing matters besides setting a guy up and making sure everybody's healthy and nothing. we're, we're going to hopefully see if Encarnacion can come back and and yes. look okay and Gary Sanchez uh, and Gio 
if for that matter, if Gio can come back. Um, last but thing. Gio's not gone. Gio's not gone. He's just, they're just, uh, today was a scheduled off day as well from what they were saying. Yeah, he probably won't play Friday. He'll probably play, get in one of the games over the weekend. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was if he could grip a bat today, like then he's probably fine. Um, last thing I want to talk about, and then obviously we do have uh, Robert Flores, is this Brian Cashman versus Marcus Stroman stuff going on. So there was a Yahoo Sports article where Brian Cashman was quoted about Stroman saying, we were interested in Stroman, but we didn't think he would be a difference maker. We felt he would be in our bullpen in the postseason. That obviously pissed Marcus Stroman off because later in the day, <laughs> he tweeted out a graphic, which I doubt he made. I'm sure he had somebody in his camp make. that had He 100,000% did not make that graphic. I know. I was kidding. Marcus Stroman and his stats on the left and Yankee starters stats on the right. And Marcus Stroman's stats look a hell of a lot better than the uh, Yankees starter stats. But obviously that doesn't tell the whole story because Yankees pitchers have pitched better of late. Severino just came back. So but that, that does not matter. Um, the fact that he actually had that, the had fact that, that he tweeted enough. it out. Yeah. Yeah. And first of all, I mean, Stroman, bad look for Stroman. Like, why are you oh. concerning yourself with what Brian Cashman, not your right. general manager, never was your general manager is saying why? about you. You're on the New York Mets. Now worry about the New York Mets who are not going to the playoffs, but also for Brian Cashman, things like this kind of annoy me about Brian Cashman sometimes because he loves gloating about all the things that go right for him. And I'm not even saying this is... Brian Cashman and I have a lot in common. not even saying this has gone right, because I think that's disingenuous for him to say Marcus Stroman would be in the bullpen. I think that's a bold-faced lie. Marcus Stroman would not be in the bullpen. If Marcus Stroman was on the Yankees right now, he would be starting game four of the ALDS. He, we would not be talking about Chad Green possibly opening, Jay Happ coming in in relief, CeCe Sabathia coming in relief. No, we would be talking uh, Stroman or Jay Happ because they're both about the same right now. That's it also really not correct. It would not. It would not be a, a, a very clear statement that Stroman would be there. Yes, not it is. not only that. Not only hold on. Not only that is that. What would his numbers be if he were with the Yankees and not with the Mets? Oh, very well, well could be way worse. Why? Because he pitched better in the American League East than he has with the Mets so far. I'm just saying they could be worse. Could be very worse. We don't it know what be they better. would be. Could be better. We don't know what they would be. And also, Marcus Stroman is infinitely better than Jay Happ. It's not even funny. And his numbers in the second half are infinitely better than Jay Happ's in the second half. So the decision would be easy. You can't look at Jay Happ's second half. You have to look at what Jay Happ has been over the past three weeks. <laughs> that's that's oh, who and, he and is right assume, now. Assume that's what he would have done for the rest of the... You're no, going to no, take no, no. three Jay, weeks over, over three months? No, what, I'm looking at what Jay Happ is right now. I'm not looking at what he was in, in August. Why would I look at, why would I look at what, what Jay Happ was in August? He's right. different right now. He's been a different guy. He's doing different things. You can't you can't look at you can't look that far past when you're looking at right now. That's just ridiculous for you to say that Marcus Stroman it would be between Marcus Stroman and Jay Happ. Like that's no one in their no, right I'm mind saying, would pick Jay Happ. What I'm saying is is that it would not be no it, it very well could still be an opener situation in the bullpen. Whatever. I just think that it's a little uh a little gloating and a little um controlling yeah, the I, narrative by Cashman to talk yeah. about something like this because he did not trade for Marcus Stroman and, and apparently the price was too high. And if the price was too high and they didn't want to pay that, then that's fine. Say that. But don't start acting like you knew something when you didn't know because at the time of the trade deadline, Severino was a gigantic unknown. Masahiro Tanaka was coming off the worst stretch of his career and James Paxton had not yet figured it out. 
All you had was um, Domingo Herman, who was up against an innings limit. So your rotation was so, so spotty at the time. And you're sitting there saying Brian Cashman is projecting Marcus Stroman in the bullpen with all of those things I just laid out? That is bullshit. That is just downright bullshit. I love it. I love it. I hate it. I love his cockiness. I love the fact that he's putting him in his place. Why is Marcus Stroman talking about us? Well, he wasn't. Brian Cashman was talking about him. It doesn't matter. Why does he have rabbit ears? Why is he? Why is he paying attention to anything that's happening? I think I might. Brian have Cashman done. was asked. I Brian Cashman was probably asked a direct question, and then and then probably asked an even more direct question about if they did acquire him, where he thinks they would be currently, and who knows what was taken out of context and how this was going down. I don't care. The fact that Marcus Stroman literally had a graphic made that was skewed to his to his favor. While he's on the Mets, who are currently now about to not... Uh, have they been eliminated yet? Yes. It's close if they haven't. They've They're eliminated. eliminated. Done. So now, not going to be there. Now looking across to the team that he wanted to go to, putting out a graphic. A graphic! Like, it, there was a yeah, lot of time that went into that graphic. Doesn't this prove that maybe he would not have been able to handle the Yankees? Yes, I'm so happy about this whole thing. It's exactly right. So maybe that's exactly what Cashman's also alluding to. The fact that this guy is obviously weak-minded, would not be a starter on my team in the playoffs. Look at what he's doing. He is he's probably going to respond to what I'm saying right now. He probably made a bet with somebody and had the prediction that Marcus Stroman was going to do something dumb as a response to what Cashman was saying and probably won that bet too. Do you know what hashtag HDMH means? Is it the um, – I, I think he's got an apparel company. Oh. If that's what you're referring to. Is that his apparel It's some company? initials. Yeah, there was initials that, that went to an apparel company that was putting out, like, I saw some Mets gear in there, too. So. so then that must be what it is. The tweet said, straight cash, homie, with an emoji, like, I don't know, or, like, yeah, what's up? So and it's probably HD his marketing guys um, who make some T-shirts and make some other things and probably... It was an article books. also that went up on our website by... Uh, Joe wrote it, right? Joe Randazzo about uh, that Marcus yes. Stroman, uh, comparing Marcus Stroman's... Um, Stats that he put out there to uh, they were the convenient. Yankees' three yeah. starters that we actually care about. So yeah, they're convenient. I think it's 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 a bad, frankly it's a bad look for both. It's certainly a bad look for Stroman. It's a worse look for Stroman that he actually cares it's not about. A, this it's guy. not a bad look for the, for anybody on the Yankee side. It's just talking, and now all of a sudden someone's reacting to some dumb shit. It's just, I, I don't necessarily like talking about a player that you never acquired. You weren't even close to acquiring. At this point in the season, when you're just worried about the playoffs, like whatever. Someone asked him. A, someone asked him a question. He answered the question. Maybe. All right, that's gonna do it for uh, this. Was con- this was a contentious episode? Because <laughs> because we're ready. Because we're ready for the playoffs. We're I, there's just too much bullshit that's happening. There's too much. There's too many narratives that are that mean absolutely nothing, and it's just smoke in the air with this uh, with this fan base right now. And we just need to cut through the bullshit and just get to the playoffs. Because that's what everybody's ready for. Everybody's pining for the playoffs, making shit up because they don't even know what to talk about because there's nothing to talk about because what's happening on the field doesn't matter right now. And we just need to play the, get in the playoffs. That's it. Hmm. That's it. What's happening on the field doesn't matter. Right. Almost like a spring training game. Oh, I hate you. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Stay tuned for Robert Flores. Submit your mailbag questions for Monday's episode. And also get pumped about that conversation Scott had with John Sterling. I'm excited to hear it. That'll do it for us. Talk to you in a few days. I just came to run game.
Watch my watch and show off my chain. Yeah, let her know it's my range. I'm just playing. I'm just saying. Look, so this what we do. You, me, and her go back to my room. To chop game, pop a bottle or two. I'm just playing. I'm just saying. Playboys back in your ear. Fresh from Bloomingdale's with a bag full of gear. Yes, this we dear. Sex to sleep here. Nah, understand. I'm just blessed to be here. Yeah. I'm very happy to bring back on the podcast Robert Flores of MLB Network. You can watch Robert co-host MLB Central at 10 a.m. through the Division Series, plus MLB Network will exclusively air two American League Division Series telecasts. Row Flow, what's going on? How you doing, man? Good to talk with you again. Yes, good to talk to you as well. The most wonderful time of the year. October baseball is about to be here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you can kind of tell the, the days get shorter, uh, the weather gets a little cooler, and the baseball becomes a lot more intense. Yeah, and um, I think for, for fans and for people who, who cover it like yourself, uh, sleep is not really something that you get a lot of if your team is making a deep <laughs> October run. No, I mean, you know, but but listen, it, it's it's a busy time of year, but it's a it, it's a good time of year. Um, baseball, uh, by its nature, is a long season, so um, sometimes there are some where some days and games where one kind of feels like the other. But this time of year, that's definitely not the case. I definitely want to get into everything with the playoffs in a minute, but just looking back on the season so far, or at this point, with a week less than a week to go in the season. You know, what are you going to remember uh, about the 2019 regular season? All the home runs. Uh, <laughs> That's where was I was going to go. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a staggering amount of home runs. Uh, the power, just, I mean, multiple, hand, multiple teams breaking, uh, you know, franchise records, individuals breaking uh, personal records. It was the year of, of the home run ball. And uh, I'm interested to see how that carries over, if at all, during the postseason. Yeah, our, so it's it's a topic that was beaten to death, I think, by every every show, every podcast, every website that or newspaper or whatever. Are you a little sick of talking about it, or do you think this is going to be an ongoing thing where we talk about the juice ball era? And I don't know if you want to say it just started in 2019 or maybe a couple seasons yeah. ago. Are we going to talk about this like the steroid era in 20 years? Um. I don't think we'll talk about it like that. I think it, you know, every era has its, um, its challenges, its own unique traits. And sometimes you, with, with the passage of time, they are looked upon favorably. Sometimes with the passage of time, they're not looked upon so favorably. Personally, for me, um, I, I, I think that too much, of a you know too much of a good thing can be a bad thing um when you have i I love seeing individual talent individual power there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with seeing a a guy launch a 400 500 foot home run there's nothing wrong with that that's a part of the game um i i think that sometimes there are unintended consequences of of good things or the pursuit of excellence. And sometimes some of those consequences can be guys striking out a ton strikeouts are way up. Um, you know, there are some guys that, um, 
you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, they would not be hitting home runs because that's not who they are. But this, this time in this era, um, guys feel like no matter who they are, for the most part, that they're going to go yard and they're going to try to get their a a hack off. And I, I'm not sure that that is ultimately the best thing um, for for baseball. I I I love, and I've said this on MLB Central. Um, I love hit and run. I love the stolen base. I love the bunt. I love going first to third. I love the triple. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of those elements become a little bit more uh, a part of the game. But listen, when you get to this time of year, um, I think you would be hard-pressed to find any sport that provides the drama or the, uh, the excitement, the tension that playoff baseball can provide. But yeah, I, I think we'll look upon this era as one of, of great power, of, of the home run ball. And, you know, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has said, look, we're going to take a look. We're going to take a look at everything. We're going to take a look at the baseball. I mean, yeah, and we finally got him to at least say the word baseball and say they're going to take a look at it because for a while they were just yeah, saying there's nothing different, which was proven otherwise. Yeah. Listen, um, I, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that there's a difference between scientific evidence and anecdotal evidence. Um, anecdotally, you hear from um, numerous pictures that say there's something different with the ball. Um, so does that mean that they are 100% right? Of course not. I mean, there's, there's tests that have to be conducted, and they've got a bunch of smart people looking at it. So I think that's a definitely a good thing. Yeah, you mentioned guys changing their approach. I think about, at least for the Yankees, Brett Gardner is almost at 30 home runs. <laughs> like, Brett Gardner, mm -hmm. I love him. I, he's been one of my favorite Yankees for the last 10, 12 years. Right. He's not a 30 home run yeah. hitter. So right. he's been pulling and, the ball what, more. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing is, is that this isn't just a, well, the baseball is made differently problem. This is an industry this is the, what the industry has become. This is what the industry rewards. So guys are going to look at players that are hitting 230 or whatever or striking out a ton, but they hit 30 homers, and they're getting rewarded. So what, is, what are they to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they see what their colleagues, what, what's uh, being offered to their colleagues. So they're like, well, look, if this guy is going to get paid and strike out a ton, but he hit 30, 35 homers, then why shouldn't I? So I think, like I said, it, it is a, something that a bunch of smart people are looking at. And, um, but, but this time of year, I think it's important to focus on what, what is right with playoff baseball, and there's definitely a lot of it. Yeah, and you sort of mentioned if the home run trend will continue into the playoffs. It's, you got three teams, at least in the American League, we know for certain the Yankees, Astros, and Twins who hit a boatload of home runs. So mm -hmm. we're going to find out pretty quickly in the ALDS if, if these home run trends are going to continue and the strikeout pitchers too. But all of those teams have a lot of strikeout pitchers. I mean, uh, Cole set the Astros record for strikeouts yeah. this year. Yeah. And that record had, uh, had been held by J.R. Richard and it was set, I believe in the 70, mid seventies, late seventies. So it had stood for a long time. And if people have not, are not aware of uh, J.R. Richard, uh, get on YouTube and look at 
Uh, I mean, you talk about a physical specimen and an intimidating present. Uh, he, he was, it was a, he had a career that was cut short because of a stroke that he suffered, but, um, you know, he was definitely one of the dominant pitchers of his era. And to see what Garrett Cole has done this year, look, he was good, really good last year for the Astros, but he has taken his, his game to another level. Uh, the delivery is on point. It is 98, 100 miles per hour gas at the knees, on the black, with ease. It doesn't look forced. He is, um, you know, our Mark, uh, our Mark DeRosa says he's a bully on the mound. And that's a perfect description of, of how he is. And um, you talk about Verlander and Cole. Um, I, there, there's not a better duo um, in baseball and certainly in the playoffs. No, I, I totally agree. One-two punch. Um, no one's going to be able to match the Astros. And they also have Granky too, who would be um, starting game, uh-huh. game three, who's no schlub starting game three. So what, what though, would stop the Astros? I think the bullpen. You know, um, with, with apologies to the Minnesota Twins, who, as you said, uh, hit a boatload of home runs. That is a fierce lineup that does not quit. And um, I keep going back to that series that they had with the Yankees oh, yeah, that uh, was, earlier this year. In the Minnesota. craziest game I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. What would that, you know, will we see some of that in the division series? But everyone expects that it's going to be ultimately Yankees Astros. And here's what I've said about that, that series um, all year. And I continue to maintain that, that it's going to be, something like this you look at is the Astros here's what it comes down to for me is the Astros slight edge in starting rotation I think their lineup top to bottom versatility it's a tad better than the Yankees small margin but I think it's a tad better but the Yankees bullpen I think is significantly better than the Astros so, are the Astros' advantages enough to outweigh the Yankees' advantage in the bullpen? And who's going to get home field advantage? Whichever team gets home field advantage, then they're going to the World Series. I um, think so. You I was think... there in yeah. yeah I, I really do. I, I was there uh, in 2017 and covered that series. I went to all seven games, and um, it, it's been this way at old Yankee Stadium, and it is at, at this Yankee Stadium. There is something different about that ballpark during this time of year. And there is, you know, at, at the old Boston Garden, they had like the ghost of the leprechaun, weird stuff happen. It's the same, I feel it's the same way at this Yankee Stadium. This so, team plays significantly, they're, they're just different. The fans are different than any other group in, in Major League Baseball. Those fans start pounding that outfield fence along the right field line when late in the game, the Astros, I believe, had leads in two of three again, two of the three games. Yep, I was and at ultimately one of them. couldn't hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and at the same time, the Astros enjoy a great home field advantage. So that's what I think it's ultimately going to come down to. That's what I've said since the beginning of the season, and that's what I believe now. Well, I mean, the Astros have a 741 winning percentage at home. So, yes, they're very yeah. dominant at home. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why I think it's so important because 
Um, when you're talking about the, the margin of, of separation being so small, I mean, it's such a, like I said, it's a razor thin. These teams are so good and so evenly matched. Every little thing can be a big thing. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly on paper. The starting rotation is no question an edge for the Astros, but I think it's going to be interesting. It's something that Scott and I, my co-hosts, have talked about for basically like the last month because it's pretty been pretty much been determined the ALEs for for a month at this point. But the Yankees mm-hmm. are not going to go with a traditional sort of rotation setup in the playoffs. No. So mm-hmm. you You're say right. the bullpen is a big edge for the Yankees. I agree, but they might be utilizing their bullpen. Their bullpen might be pitching more more total innings than their starting rotation. So Absolutely. So yeah. that could swing the edge right there and I do yeah. I do think the home field is huge and it looks like the Astros are going to get home field because they're essentially three and a half up right now. Yeah, they do that that loss uh yesterday or 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 Tuesday um to the Tampa Bay Rays and it's a little bit of of tough luck for for the Yankees. I mean, you go into uh, to the trop, which is uh, definitely a unique environment. That's and, a word for it. Um, yeah, and you're and you take and you're taking on a raised team that that is desperate, so you know they're locked in. Um, but you bring up the, the the bullpen, and and here's what 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 I'm interested in is that um, there is so much talk of the bullpen, and bullpens are so heavily used throughout the regular season. I wonder. And I think we've seen this a little bit in the past couple of years. I I think that there, part of me thinks that there is some there's some truth to the notion that in a seven game series you're using the same pieces or many of the same pieces of that same bullpen in back to back games. Basically, sometimes three three back 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 to back games with a day off and travel day in between. Does it? I mean. You're, you're facing good major league hitters. Does it does it lessen the the impact of a bullpen when you're giving major league hitters that many looks at the same group of pitchers, game after game in a seven game set? You That's know, a great the point. last two, you know, the last two uh, champions, they had starters coming out of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, Nathan Avaldi came out of the bullpen to close a game. Chris Sale, David Price, in the year before. Uh, A.J. Hinch had Lance McCullers and Charlie Morton. Justin Verlander came out of the bullpen to close a game in the division series against the Red Sox. A.J. Hinch doesn't have that same luxury this year. So I, I'm just interested to see how it's going to play out. That's why I think it, it's so uh, Tuesday's game uh, for CeCe was, was an important step. You know, his first time coming out of the bullpen. I mean, he's going to have to pitch well coming out of the bullpen. He's going to have to have a big moment or two for the Yankees to go far. Yeah, and with uh, what happened with Domingo Herman last week, it sort of opened up a spot for yeah. for, for Sabathia mm-hmm. on the roster because he had not been pitching well. And it, and it was kind of kind of just talked about like, well, he'd be there for moral support in the clubhouse, but probably not on the roster, but he might be on the roster now. Another thing you mentioned about the bullpen, it's not only guys getting multiple looks at him, but when you are getting five or even more innings out of your bullpen every night, you're counting on everyone having yeah. an A night, which is... That's a great point. It's just not re- point. it's not Absolutely. realistic. Like even though the Yankees have five elite relievers, which I think they do, one of them might have yep. a bad night and that could be the difference between mm-hmm. a winner or a loss just because it's the 5th inning. Like that could decide the game in the 5th inning. No, you you bring up a great point. Um 
I think it, it's – I feel that bullpens are – I think they're hot and cold by nature. And as you said, is it um, – are you rolling the dice, so to speak, to expect four, five guys to be locked down and lights out every night? So, yeah, does it um, – does it raise the, the the difficulty a little bit? So that's a, that's an excellent point as well. I'm going to throw a wild card at you though for the Yankees. Luis Severino okay. is fresh. Yeah, this, this is not something that you normally get at the end of September. A guy who's only thrown nine mm-hmm. innings this season, and I know like the injury. Who like he seems healthy, so I'm just going to go with he's yeah. healthy right now and he's fresh. And a fresh Luis Severino at this time of year could be a weapon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is. I mean, he is a huge difference because um, James Paxton has pitched very well. Uh, uh, and then you add Severino. And uh, so it, it is, yeah, it's a big difference. And, and, and look, Tanaka has had significant moments in, in the postseason. So that is, now granted, are, Severino, is he stretched out? Is he going to go six or seven? I don't think so. But if you can get look, if you get this dude throwing ninety eight, ninety nine with a wipeout slider and he's painting black at, at almost a hundred miles per hour at the knees, that's that's a big deal. Um, so so that's why I think um, his return and his performance thus far has been such a boost for this team. Yeah, Tanaka's a question mark because of his inconsistency, and he's struggled with the grip. We talk about the baseballs. He's a guy who struggled with grip this year. Mm-hmm. And he's been vocal about it. Yeah. He, he said, I felt a baseball from previous seasons, and it's just not the same. So that's sort of that anecdotal evidence like you talked about. Absolutely. Yeah, so and just going back, I, I, that's why I think it, it just makes sense for, for the entire industry, Major League Baseball as a whole, players, coaches, ownership, uh, the commissioner's office, to, just to look to see, hey, what, what's, what's really going on here? What can we do? Um, let's let everyone see what we found and, and move on from there. So one of the developments for the Astros this year that I was most angry about is that now they have Jordan Alvarez, who's a 22-year-old <laughs> beast who has a 186 yeah, WRC plus in his rookie season. It's just unreal what he's done. Yeah. No, what, um, what, he, what he does and what uh, Brantley does, although you know uh, Michael Brantley has kind of hit a rough patch here in, in the past couple of weeks, but – this, this Astros lineup, uh, even in their championship year, was uh, very right-handed heavy. And with, with Alvarez and with Brantley, it gives them pop. It lengthens, lengthens the lineup. Uh, and, and it helps you know, alleviate some of that heavy right-handedness. Um, you've got Alvarez, uh, Bregman, Bregman, cleanup. You've got Brantley batting third. Correa hit seventh a couple of days ago. Now, he was scratched from the lineup Tuesday with some lower back tightness, which is a cause for concern as he continues to struggle with his with a back injury or back trouble. Um, but he says he's going to be back Wednesday against the Mariners. But, yeah, you're looking at Yuli Gurriel batting sixth, Correa batting seventh, or sometimes they flip-flop. And then Robinson Chirinos, who can take you deep occasionally. He's got some pop. Uh, and then Josh Reddick, who's a, I would say, a professional hitter. So he is, Alvarez is, um, he, 
he reminds me of of Gary Sanchez a little bit in, in when Gary Sanchez arrived on the scene. Uh, amazing power, but also I think a good knowledge of the strike zone and looking for his pitch and not hitting what the pitcher wants him to hit. So uh, both of those the, those players are are kind of wise beyond their years. You mentioned the balance in the lineup. Are you a firm believer in that sort of thing, like having a nice lefty-righty balance? Because I was for a long time, and especially at Yankee Stadium, having a Mm left-handed power hitter with the short porch. But this year, the Yankees have been more right-handed heavy than I can ever remember. And their offense this year has been, I think, more complete than the past two seasons. Um, So it's just... You know, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. I don't think, I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, just have your best hitters getting the most at-bats, and I think you're going to be in okay shape. But um, the Yankees have been, like, extremely right-handed heavy this year, and then they signed DJ LeMahieu, who's a right-handed hitter, and there's been, like, a bunch of articles written about how he's changed the mentality of the lineup, just uh, more of a contact-first guy. Yeah, and look, the other thing is... uh, you know, you can be right. You can have every uh, hitter in the lineup be right-handed if if they can all hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like 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 the Yankees uh, one through nine. Uh, th- that that's a lineup that doesn't quit either. So um, I, I think I, I think having some some versatility. Look, um, uh, you know, the Astros I believe have their pitching staff has struck out the most batters and their lineup has struck out the least. I think that's, that's the stat. I think so. But, but the point is, um, you know, cutting down on the swing and miss, um, that's something they did with, with great effectiveness in 2017. Uh, the strikeout numbers from a hitting perspective were up last year. Um, but with the Yankees, it is what, what DJ LeMay has done and he is, um, you know, I, I think he's worthy of top two, top three MVP uh, consideration. Um, but what he has done, that really the entire coaching staff, the entire front office, they should be commended and applauded for the job that they have done in filling in for, for you know, filling in spots because of injury. And DJ LeMahieu, when he signed, it was like, I remember doing a show where we were like, Okay, that's interesting. Where's he going to play? Yeah, it was what, does this really make sense? And and now he has arguably been their most important player in 2019. It, it's incredible. Oh, without question, he's been the MVP for the Yankees. But that you you mentioned top two or three for MVP in the league. It's a good segue. Who would you? Couple things about the MVP. So first of all, who do you think should win the award? <sighs> it's tough. Uh, part of me thinks that. If you just had, and I think they, they had the Hank Aaron Award, which is for most outstanding. Yep. But you have most valuable. And, you know, part of me says, well, look, the Angels aren't very good with Mike Trout. How bad would they, how good, you know, what, what's yeah. the difference if they had him with or without? 75 or 79 uh, what, wins or something. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, who cares? And he he's had an an incredible season. He maintains a position of being the best player. He's a generational player. He's the best player in the game, and he has been for the last handful of years. What Alex Bregman has done this year is, um, you know, I I saw someone on Twitter say he's not even the most valuable player on his team. And I kind of dispute that because this year, for this year, George Springer has missed significant time. Jose Altuve missed significant time. We talked about Correa's 
injury. He has missed significant time. The one constant has been Alex Bregman, and I think that's what he and D.J. LeMayhew have in common. Uh, they do it differently, um, but they have been the most important players for their team. So if I were to vote, I think I would still lean Trout. The season he had prior to him getting hurt, I would still lean Trout with Bregman and LeMayhew right behind him. But I could see and totally understand why people want to make an argument for either Bregman or LeMayhew for that matter. Yeah, so my so Trout's the best player in the world. Like no one disputes that. If if mm-hmm. the MV, if the MVP award were best player award, then Mike Trout should get that every year. So my problem is that it flips. And some years Mike Trout wins it and then other years it's like, well, this guy had almost as good of a year as Trout, but his team's going to the playoffs. So we're going to give it to him this year. But then next year if there's no standout, Mike Trout's going to win it again. So it kind of flip-flops <laughs> from year to year and I just, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't really care either way. I just want there to be consistency. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and part of me actually, like I said, it goes back to, you know, the team that he plays on their record. Um, I, I think being on, being on a winning team that is fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for a championship. I think that that matters. I, I, I think it matters it's just of whether or not, you know, how much you believe it should matter. How much does that weigh in on your, uh, on your thinking or how you vote? So if I were running the league, and maybe you can take this up the chain over at MLB Network and, and get in someone's <laughs> ear for me. Sure, absolutely. But, but I think they need to make the Hank Aaron Award or something else, Babe Ruth Award, but they do have a Hank Aaron Award. So make that big. Make that important. And it goes to one offensive player in each league every year, just like the Cy Young Award goes to one pitcher in each league every year. And then have one league MVP for the entire Major League Baseball, just like NFL and NBA has one for the entire league. And then you can vote for people who are on playoff teams if you want for that MVP award. But you have a prestigious Hank Aaron Award going to one guy in the AL, one guy in the NL. And Trout would probably win every year until he retires, but whatever. Yeah. Now, I I I, I want to make sure that that you know I, I'm I'm saying it correctly. Hank the Hank Aaron Award is for the top hitter in each league. So, you know, if you're looking by that criteria, it's still a it's I think it's still a controversy because you could very well make the case that DJ LeMahieu has been the best hitter in the American League. Now, granted, Bregman has 40 home runs, but what LeMayu has done with runners in scoring position, it's, it's unreal. It's remarkable. I mean, it was I almost mean, it, 500 it, at the All-Star break. It certainly isn't dipped it off. Isn't it like 390 or 392 right now? It was 397 last I looked. I mean, that is remarkable. I, I, and, that, and look, you can talk about analytics and all the different metrics and stats. For me, when there are... Uh, ducks on the pond, to use a popular broadcasting phrase. And you, you know, I, I think that's an important skill. That's an important trait. And that's why uh, DJ LeMayhew is, is someone that is worthy of serious MVP consideration. Yeah, and I was hoping, it doesn't look like he's going to win the batting title, but I was hoping he did because that he would have been the first player in history to win it in both leagues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, he has been... Um, I, I, I just can't, uh, 
I can't imagine that the Yankees thought they were going to be getting. There's no way they could have imagined this. <laughs> no, I mean right? they would have offered him more than two years, twelve million per if they thought he was going to be this good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, don't let Brian Cashman, to, Cashman yeah, tell you otherwise. Season, D, yeah, DJ has to say at the end of the season, "Hey, fellas, how about a little, you know?" Yeah, give me an extension. For the effort. But, and fans um, love him. Yankees fans love him. Oh, as they should. Um, he he plays uh, everywhere. Um, his work at first base is, is still, you know, it's still a work in progress, but, um, I think they're better. I think they're best defensively when he's playing at second, Uh, Um, you know, know, there's different things that are in play and, and, uh, Aaron Boone's going to have some real, um, tough decisions to make on who's playing where, what the roster looks like. And they're, and they're, they're good problems to have, but it, it, they're still ones that, uh, and I'm sure that those conversations are, are well underway, but it, it's going to be interesting to see the, the, the roster construction, the lineup construction, and how it changes game to game, series to series. So we talked a lot about the Astros and the Yankees, and when we talked back in May, it was the Yankees and the Astros were the two best teams in the American League, and nothing has changed between now and then. But what, mm-hmm. what, who's the next team in your mind in the American League? Who's the next team that has the best chance to go to the World Series? Hmm. That's tough. I'm going to lean Cleveland um, because I think that their rotation um, – can be placed among the top of all the contenders in the American League, and I'm including the Astros mm-hmm. because um, while the Astros, you know, it's it's Cole and it's Verlander, and that's a dynamic top two. Grinky, okay, hey, he he does things a little differently. Certainly a veteran, um, but when you look at what Cleveland can roll out out at you, Bieber, Clevenger, Plesac, um who, who, who am I missing? They got now Carrasco is coming out yep. of the bullpen. Um, Jose Ramirez is off the injured list, looking <laughs> two, rejuvenated. Two huge home runs the other night. Uh, yeah. Um, the only problem is Tampa Bay is in front of them as we speak. Granted, by just a half game, but but still. Um, and here's the other thing: Where does Cleveland end the season? Yep. In Washington against the Nationals at a National League park where they're not going to have the benefit of the DH. Um, so that's a bit unlucky. But if Cleveland finds a way to get in, they could be a big, big, big problem for the, uh, for the favorites. For any of those wild card teams, Tampa, Cleveland, Oakland, it could be a wild last weekend of the season. And I was looking at tiebreaker scenarios today. If they all finish with the same record, they could be playing Monday and Tuesday just to play on Wednesday to see who goes to play the Astros if they get the home field advantage. So that could yeah. seriously work in uh, disadvantage for any of those three teams, which I agree with you. Cleveland's a dangerous team. But if they're throwing all they have in the, in, before they even get to the ALDS, it might not matter. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, is, that, is that advantage going to be negated by just having to reach that round? Because... Um, Clevenger is pitching as well as anyone. He was lights out again on Wednesday. Um, but if you have to use him in a tie-breaking game or in a wild-card game and you're not able to bring him back in the division series until game three, um, that puts them at a, um, at a disadvantage, no doubt about it. 
So before we let you go, I want to go through a few different topics, uh, sort of uh, the other things I wanted to talk to you about. First one is, are you a fan of going to robot umpires? I am. I am. I am. Because um, we've seen would, a, lot uh, of, a lot of stuff with the Yankees. I know, I know the Astros this year, absolutely. too, have complained a lot. Guys are getting ejected. It yeah, seems like... I, I, was, it, uh, was it Joe West a, a couple of days yep. ago with, yep. uh, with Brett Gardner behind the plate? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would... Um, I think I would be in favor of that. I know that there are many uh, in the game that are against it, and I'm sure that there are many of, of, of people that are listening to this right now that are against it. Um, I, I just don't – I just want it to be right, and I want it to be accurate. And I think that it can be done quickly where it doesn't intrude too much on the playing experience or the viewing experience. Yeah, and I think um, when when it's – so I always say that the uh, the pitch box on the broadcast is the worst thing that ever happened to umpires because now there's millions mm-hmm. millions of fans at home yelling on Twitter about hey that was an inch off the plate so it's it seems like everything's yeah. more high profile now right and the other thing is um, and correct me if I'm wrong but don't you feel like the pitch box that you either see on a game broadcast or that you see on MLB.com or MLB at bat, I get the sense that it's not really the way the strike zone is called, right? No, no I, I totally agree with you. So, so that's the other thing that would have to be figured out is, if, okay, if we're going to go to a robot or electronic uh, strike zone, if you will, then we need to figure out what that strike zone is. Um, because if you're going to start calling that letter high strike, like the box indicates, um, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of players that are going to be upset about that. But then again, hey, players adjust, so it, it will be interesting how how everything plays out. I don't think we'll see anything like this electronic strike zone other or whatever next year, but maybe the year after. Who knows? Well, you know what it could do. We talked about this last time you were on the show. It could speed up the game if the strike zone's bigger. There's going to be more swings, more uh-huh. contact. And that would speed up the game yeah. because walks take a long time. You're absolutely right. Yeah, 100%. Um, this is a question I saw. I don't remember where I saw it, but it's, it's uh, stupid enough to ask in this forum. If the Astros and the Yankees combined rosters to make a super roster, could they beat the rest of the 28 Ooh. teams in baseball? Ooh, jeez. Man, I'm just thinking about what that pitching staff would look like. <laughs> could you imagine Verlander, Cole, Severino, Paxton? How would you make the That's... lineup out? I don't think you could make the lineup out. You'd be like, well, I, I okay, can't. Um, I can... I... Okay, let's see. Springer leading off. Okay, playing center. Um, yeah, is that our – do you think that's – that's not outrageous, right? No, that's where I would put him because I yeah. think you have to have, ju- have Judge in right field. Yeah, Judge in right. I would put Glaber Torres at short. Um, Bregman at third. Um, dang it. Alvarez DH. Alvarez DH. You put Giancarlo in left. I think you have to. I know he's been hurt all year, but yeah. you have to. Yeah. And then um, behind the plate, Gary Sanchez. At first base, look, it's been kind of a revolving door at first for the Yankees, so let's put Yuli Gurriel there. 
And who do you put at second? Altuve or <laughs> this is where I can... like I said we got Glaber. Yeah, we got Glaber at short. So if you put Altuve, so if we're making out a roster, they Lemayhew and Altuve both make it. But I think Altuve maybe starting second baseman, but then that gives you Lemayhew to be the super utility man in the infield. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, LeMahieu might might finish top three in the MVP, and he's we're talking like he's going to be a utility fielder, utility man for this combined lineup. So, yeah, that that's very, very interesting. Shoot, this is a good question. I, I might have to steal this if that's okay. Yeah, as long as you credit me. Oh, absolutely. We'll <laughs> definitely credit you. Uh, yeah, it's fun. and, I, and no, that's, I, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a fun experiment, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing I want to talk to you about, if you, uh, thinking around the league, cause, uh, hall of fame this year, I, I was, uh, very into the, the speeches and all that kind of stuff with Mariano getting unanimous and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Who that's playing now is a hall of famer in your mind? Well, I think trout. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, I think that's an easy one. Um, ooh. I think Verlander I is. Like Verlander is. Yep, that's a good one. Um, um, I'll help you am out. Am I crazy it. to think Aaron Judge <laughs> feels like it? Well, you're projecting it, it, a I, lot for him. Yeah. I mean, still just starting out three years in, but it feels like he's on that Hall of Fame path. Yeah. Um, Araldus Chapman, do you think that that's, that doesn't seem like a stretch, does it? No, and I think because so many closers and relief pitchers are getting in, that, yeah, he's been yeah. – by the time he retires, he'll probably have the the numbers to back it up. Yeah. Um, who else? I think Yadi Molina. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely a, agree with Yadi Molina. I think uh, he's a uh, Hall of Famer. Um, I feel like Craig Kimbrell was on path um, this year. Kind of that um, – that candidacy, if you will, a little bit. He's going to have to figure some things out about the fact, but, you know, hopefully it does in, in 2020. Um, I, know, I know we're missing. I know we're missing. So uh, I, I was sure someone, Yeah, I was thinking yeah. more guys towards the end of their career. I also had Pujols and Miguel Cabrera on that list. Yep. Those are easy. Yeah, that, that, that's easy. Pujols, definitely. Miguel Cabrera. Uh, um, what about Sabathia? Do you think Sabathia will make the Hall of Fame? I think I think he is when you look at his place among handed pitchers, especially. I have the numbers right off my head, but um, he has pitched in some big games. Um, going back to his days, you remember when you remember when he was pitching nearly every day mm-hmm. for Milwaukee yeah. to get them in the uh, in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they and just did a tribute a- video for him at the at Yankee Stadium, and that was a portion of the tribute video from guys from Milwaukee who played with him. And yeah, he was out, he was yeah. out there on three days rest throwing complete game shutouts. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. Um, you know, he, he won a championship in '09, may win another championship here. So um, I I think he's in. I know that there's I've heard some people that say uh, I don't know, but uh, for me, he is. Yeah, and obviously I'm biased, um, but I think he's in as well. And I think he's this year he didn't pitch well, but he did sort of reinvent himself for a couple of years where he was a better than oh, league absolutely. average pitcher. Absolutely. He's, he's totally 
Um, when you look at you know the pitcher he was when he got to the Yankees as opposed to the pitcher he is now, it's totally different. And um, you know, to how does that affect his or what impact his Hall of Fame candidacy? No, but I just think it speaks to um, his commitment, his willingness to uh, squeeze every ounce of talent um, from his career uh, for the sake of the team. Yeah, agree. Well, I definitely appreciate the time, Robert. And again, check out MLB Central 10 a.m. through the Division Series. What's happening after the Division Series? Um, After that, I will be covering the League Championship Series. I'm just not sure uh, which one. Um, But, you know, like I said, it would be nice to to, uh, uh, see the Yankees in there in the League Championship Series. You know, covering them, it's those games are like home games for me. So That's I don't, right. I don't have to travel. I get to get to sleep in my own bed. So, um, but a lot of things can happen. It, it's going to be very, very interesting what happens, especially on the, Ameri- on the American League side. Yeah, we did focus on the American League, but that's, that's mainly what I'm concerned with right now. I'll worry about the World Series if the Yankees make it through the Astros or it, whoever it's gonna else. Be a lot, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Both the National League and American League, some really intriguing storylines, intriguing series on tap. So, as I said, it, uh, this is a great time of year. All right, thanks again for the time. Hey, you got it. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.